All right, good morning. Thank you for being here today. So glad to have you here and good to see some um, new faces and well, some old faces and uh, good to have you. In fact, uh, it's, uh, we're honored today, uh, today um, to have uh, the pastor and his wife that built this auditorium. You know, and they built this auditorium, I believe in 2000, 2000. Okay, you know, George and Donna Spencer, why don't you please stand for just a minute, just stand. Thank you. Honored to have you. They live over by Big Rapids on the other side of the state, and uh, but we're so glad that you guys are here. And I uh, hope you know. And and uh, we're friends on Facebook, and we see each other what's going on. And and uh, we're just glad that you're here. They were part of a pastor church called New Hope Church, and um, and so thank you, thank you for being here, and thank you for the faith that you and your church had a vision to build, and that the that the legacy of the gospel of Jesus Christ is still carrying on in this place because of you too. And so, God bless you. And uh, well, we're, we're glad that you're here. And yesterday, um, our church was involved in a, uh, what we call the Terra Grant 5K race. And we've been involved with this for the last 14 years, and we had about 20 of our people, and I decided to run about 20, I, I know, maybe 22, okay? And uh, so 22 that showed up to run, and then we had about a dozen people to help cook food and, you know, for lunch after the run. And, uh, and so I, I signed up. I always participate every year. And so this year I, I decided, you know, I'm going to put myself in the race. I've never done that, you know, in the Taylor Grant, 14 years of Taylor Grant. I've always been the one that liked to, to, to quit the food and help serve. And, and so, but they, um, they said, Scott, we've got enough volunteers to help with that. Why don't you, why don't you run? And I and I said, I said okay, I'll do that. And I, and, and, and and little fact to be known, I, I have been doing an elliptical for the last five months, almost every day. You know, about thirty minutes every day, whether I like it or not, I, I'm out there and I'll, and I'll, I every day doing this elliptical. So, but I haven't done a five k run in over twenty years. Uh, so, you know, I said, you know, I, I think I can do this. You know, I, I think I've got the stamina. I've been, I've been doing the elliptical. I know it's not the same, you know, same thing, but, you know, I, I, I thought it was kind of close. And I thought, I, I, I really believe that I could do this. And, and an elliptical said that I could do it three miles in 30 minutes. So I thought, well, I could do a 5K in 30 minutes. But then uh, it's a different animal, okay? And uh, for some reason, like, no, nope, no, nope, don't trust the elliptical for your mileage. Anyway, but I thought, you know, I'm going to get out there. And, um, and about a month ago, I, I went and bought me a good pair of running shoes. And that was kind of like, that's my commitment. Okay, I'm going to run this thing. And I went and got me a nice pair of, you know, $75 pair of shoes and uh, that was made for running, for hitting the pavement. And I said, all right, I'm in it. All right, that was kind of my, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it. I'm, I, I'm kind of building myself up. And so yesterday I show up at the race, and you know everyone, you know everyone, you know, kind of gathering, and I'm, I'm kind of nervous. I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just take off. So they, they, they said go, and and I started, I started, I call it jogging. <laughs> you know, jogging is a hybrid between a jog and a walk. Okay, and that that was my that was my method. So I did a little bit of jogging, you know, and I jogged for about eight minutes straight. I said, okay, I'm doing good. I look at my watch and it's tracking my miles, and I'm like, oh no, I'm not even, you know, I'm just over half a mile, you know. So I'm like, okay, that, that's okay, let's slow our pace, 
said, uh, it was very clear that it wasn't going to be 30 minutes in a 5K race, all right? And so, but that's right. So I, I ad adapted, and I started doing, you know, just kind of going back and forth, jogging, you know, and in a, in a high space, in a high, uh, high pace walk. And, and, um, but I'm telling you, I would kind of push myself. And about two, that second mile, I was like, you know, can I call it a day? You know, I wanted to just kind of stop. And in fact, there was a little shortcut. And I actually considered the shortcut. I mean, I could have said, you know, I could just take that shortcut. And, and I could, hey, I would have been proud of myself. You know, it, may, it, may not, it wouldn't have been three miles, but it would have been almost two miles. And I said, you know, I could, have, I could take that shortcut. I said, no, let's just keep doing it. You, you made a commitment. You spent $75 on those shoes to do a three-mile run. Uh, so I do that third mile, and, and that third mile, you know, just kept pushing and pushing, and I was pursuing that finish line. And then, of course, I see the finish line. I said, I see it, you know, and I'm, I'm going after it. And then finally, I crossed over. They gave me a medal, and I, I, a, participa a participation medal, okay? You know, I get to give that out to everybody nowadays, you know, but I got me a medal. And I'm like, yes, you know. I, I, was, I, I finished the race, and it took me 40 Three minutes to do it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, okay. Right? You know, so for a guy that haven't run in 20, 25 years, you know, in 5K, I was, I was, I was okay, that's great. You know, as I was thinking about that pursuit to finish and that pursuit to finish well, to finish strong, it came down to, I, I, I'm not lying when I say this, it came down to me right there at the end between me and a four-legged creature, a dog, that was running. <laughs> and, and, and listen, the dog had an advantage. He got four legs, all right? And so he beat me, not by much, not by much, okay? I, I was like, okay, I, I, but I wanted to finish strong, and I wanted to finish well. And as I think about today's message, I think about what is our church, and what, are, what is it that we want to pursue? What do we want to pursue? Because here's what I want. I want to pursue and I want to, I want to finish well. But the remainder of my life, and, I'm, I'm, and I've got a, I've, I believe I've still got a way to go, but I want to, I want to run well. And I want to finish well. I want us to be a church that, a church that God desires. And we're in a message series called A Church After God's Heart. Imagine a church Imagine a church after God's own heart. Imagine a follower of Christ hidden on all eight cylinders, being everything that God wants him to be, doing everything that God wants him to do, living a life of passion, power, purpose, that the people that he or she meet every day, where they live, where they work, where they play, they are eternally impacted by him or by her. Imagine a church that is passionately committed to following the great commandment, to love God. Imagine a church that is committed with passion to, to fulfill the great commitment, and that is to serve others. Imagine a church that is passionately committed to living out the great I call it the great transformation, where we are growing in our walk with him, and we never stop growing. Imagine a church that is passionately committed to 
finishing out the Great Commission, where we share your story, the story of God and the impact he has in your life. Imagine the church. Imagine the impact a church like that could have. Imagine the lives that could be powerfully changed, not for just this life, but for our eternity. Imagine a church that could bring a smile to the face of God and a joy to the heart of God. What would that church look like? Then I go, you know, every Sunday, you know, the worship team and, you know, and you hear the message every week. You know, when we, when we do this service, you know, our, our, we want to move you. We want to move you into, you know, whatever that next step is. But what if, what if we change our perspective and God wants us to move, God wants us to take steps. But what if we have a pursuit but we want to move the heart of God? What if we said, man, I, I, God, I want to be moved, but more than that, I want to, I want to move your heart. I want to move your heart. And as I think about that, I think about what the church looks like. What does it mean to go after the heart of God? What would that church look like? What kind of Christ followers would that church produce? How would it impact the church programming and the staffing and the ministry that we do and the methods and our priorities? What does it look like for a church to go all in for God and want to move the heart of God. When we look here today, we're going to see that the very first step for us to be a church after God's heart really goes back to a, a question that was asked in Matthew chapter 22, and, and, and uh, the guy that asked the question was a Pharisee. And in fact, he was a real smart Pharisee. He was a, a, a lawyer Pharisee. Uh, he knew the law forwards and backwards. He knew it all. And so and I believe the Pharisees, the, the group, says, hey, you're the man that's going to ask Jesus the, a, a question. And they, and, and they went to Jesus to try to trick him. They wanted to test Jesus. And, and, and so this lawyer, this expert of the law, um, the Bible says that he came up to Jesus and received this verse number 35 in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. He said, an expert in the law tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And to understand the question, you would need to know that every Jewish rabbi had studied the first five books of the Bible. They had it memorized. And, 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 and over time, the rabbis, the Pharisees, and, our, and the religious leaders, they have come up over time 613 different rules. 613 different commands. In fact, out of those 613 commandments, 248 were positive, and 365 were negative commands. And so with all these rules, all these regulations, this lawyer asked a very good question. He said, Jesus, I would like to know what's the greatest command of them all. Now, I know they're trying to trick him. I know they're trying to trick Jesus up. 
And, and they were trying to get an answer out of him. They were trying to get something out of Jesus. And, but, but Jesus gave an answer that was so obvious that when, it, when he gave it, I, I think all the people were like, felt dumb for asking a question because they knew the answer. In fact, every Jewish kid growing up, they would, they would memorize what, what they were called the Hebrew word Shema. Shema, which was based off Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and they would, they would quote that verse every day six times. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's just three times. And the, the Shema, they would say that six times. Every, every Jewish person growing up, that's what they did. And so Jesus, you know, when he gave the answer, he, he, gives some, he, he goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 5. He, he goes back to what they knew. He said it in Matthew chapter 22, look at verse 37. He said, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus said, of all the commandments, if you don't get this one right, Nothing else is going to matter. He said to all these Pharisees who were so legalistic, so rules-oriented, he said, it doesn't matter how many eyes or, 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 or eyes that you dot, how many T's you cross. If you fail to love God with everything you have, if you fail to put God first in every area of your life, it just doesn't really matter what else you do. That's what Jesus is saying there. And, and I want us to go back to the commandment, and I want us to look at it deeply, because we know this first. We've seen it first here in our church. We've talked about this first. We've read it. I want us to look at it a little bit more deeply, and just examine it a little bit more. It's kind of odd to me that God would command us to love him. I want you to think about it. How do you command someone to love you? Ever think about that? If you really could command someone to love you, I would have been the most popular guy in high school. <laughs> no? You see, the fact that God commands us to love him it tells us something about the kind of love that he had demanded. It's not, this is not a love that's a feeling, you know, with the goosebump kind of a feeling of love. That's not what he's asking for. He's looking for a love that's deeper than that. He's looking for a love that, that commitment, a surrender. It's a love that, the, that is a willingness to give everything you are to everything that God is. Think about how important your love for God really is. Think about this. Have you ever thought about the fact that your love is the one thing that God can't take from you voluntarily? No, it, it, he... God could take everything from you that you have. He could take your house, your car. He, he could take your money. He can even take your life. 
But God can't take your love. You have to give it. You have to give your love to him. And so today, I, I want to answer these two questions. And I sit down your hand out and I'll see on the screen. What, what does it really mean to love God? What does that mean? And then how do you know, how do you know whether you love God or not? And the answer to these two questions is it's not as complicated as we sometimes make it out to be. We like to complicate things, don't we? And on Facebook, you got a status. You can put a status about your, about your life, about your personal life. You know, I, I'm, I'm married. The relationship status might be I'm single, or I'm in a relationship. But every now and then I see someone whose relationship status says it's complicated. <laughs> complicated. See, my friend, we don't have to wonder what it means to love God. Because God himself, he tells us what it means, and then we understand what that love really is. And that this is really a commitment. Look at, look at what the Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 3. He said, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. Jesus himself, he says in John 14, verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. It's really simple. And it's really not all that complicated. To love God the way God wants to be loved is to obey God and do what he demands. Now, if you think about this, parents, you know, if you're parents, God's no different than the way we think as parents. Now, with our kids, the two things that we want from our kids Two things that we really want from every child. We want their love, and we want their obedience. We want their love, and we want their obedience. And any parent knows that those two things also go together. So here's the way it works with God. If you take a note, to love God is to obey God. We obey God because... We love him because we love him. I can tell you just how much you really love God and how mature for your love, you know, how mature your love for God really is if you were answered this one question. Do you obey God because you feel that you have to or do you obey God because you want to? If you love God the way you ought to love God, you will have no problem with obeying God, no problem serving God. You will never have any problem with doing whatever God wants you to do at all when you love God the way that you should. And so how does it play out in our life? How do you really love God? We'll give us some applications here. And, um, and we look at the great commandment that Jesus gave. There's actually two dimensions of this commandment. The first one, if you're taking notes, is the vertical dimension. Vertical dimension. And that is to love God. How can we love God in this vertical relationship that we have? Here's some thoughts here. Number one, we love God with our time. We love God with our time. If you really love someone, 
You want to spend as much time as you can with that person. I, I remember when Karen and I, we first started dating. And back then, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. If you had a cell phone, that means you were really rich. You could afford a cell phone. And, uh, and, I, and there was a very small population of people that have a cell phone. And I, I don't think they call it cell phone. I think it was like a mobile phone or a car phone, you know. And, and I didn't have the cell phone idea yet. And so I had a pager. I could afford a pager. And so Karen, you know, anytime she needed to find me or get a hold of me, she would um, page me from her home phone, you know, and I would respond. Now, if she really needed to get a hold of me, she will put her number, the phone number, and I recognize the phone number. And then right after that, you see the digit 911, which means call me is an emergency. Remember doing that? Okay. Some of you are nodding your head. You know, and so I would stop whatever I'm doing. You know, it may be important, but it's an emergency. And so I would ask, I would call her, you know, and say, hey, I got your page. <laughs> you know, uh, what's the emergency? Oh, that's not really an emergency. I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> you know, uh, it's great. Okay, you know, you can't do that. Okay, <laughs> you know, because an emergency has to be an emergency. I said, oh, okay, okay, okay. And so, but I remember we were on the phone. We were on her phone, I'd be on my phone at my house, and, and we'd be on the phone, and we, and we couldn't hang up. I said, I love you, honey. I said, oh, I love you too. And I said, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, no. we just couldn't, because we enjoyed spending time, spending time with each other. See, the very first step to loving God it's to take time to enjoy his presence. To want to spend time with him, to worship him, to love him, and to learn his commandments so that you learn how to obey his commands. So you can obey him. And you do this every day. And it's all kinds of terms that are used for doing this. Some call it a quiet time. Quiet time. I know for some of you that might be hard to find. A quiet time. Now for me, easy. Turn off my hearing aids. I can have a quiet time on the spot. I can turn it off right now and not hear you talking to me. You know, laughing at me. All right? I can just turn it off anytime. In fact, recently I, I um, looked at my hearing aid for my audiologist and uh, she said, you know, there's a, there's now you can have a you can get a new ear. We can do an ear implant, and you qualify for it. And you can not wear hearing aids ever again. And the first question I asked him was, is there a way to still be able to turn that off? <laughs> I said, no. I mean, you have real hearing like everyone else. I said, I don't want that. <laughs> I'm not interested. Some people call it a quiet time. That's what I like to call it, a quiet time. <laughs> quiet time on demand, I can have it. Some call it a devotion time. Some call it time alone with God. Some people call it spending time with God. You know, it really doesn't matter what you call it. What matters is that you do it. You do it. Spending time with God, it's not all that complicated. It's your Bible. 
it, 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 it's a, a place where you can do it, a quiet space. I know people, at, they do it at lunch, at work, they go to their car, and they sneak away, they find a quiet place, and, and their car seems to be the place to do it. Whatever that is, you find a place that you can be alone with God. You might write something, but you do something where you can spend time with God. It's when you read the Bible and you're asking, you're asking God to speak to you and take time in prayer and speak to him. Spend time with God. Let's check it out. We love God with our talents. We love God with our talents. Again, we love God by obeying God, and one of the ways you obey God is by serving God. And the way you serve God is by taking your spiritual gifts and your abilities that he's given you. And every person in here, you, are, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, you have, you know, a, the Holy Spirit has put a gift inside your life, a spiritual gift, and help you. And if you don't know your spiritual gift, you know, here at A Point, we want to help you with that. We'll have a class offered in the wintertime. Um, we're going to be calling it part of our discipleship course to help you find your spiritual gift because this, this is the key to really know what God has made you for. And to serve God with your spiritual gifts and your abilities. And to use that both inside and outside the church to serve others with your gift. If you love God, you will want to serve others. You ought to see every act of service that you ever do, whether it's on, in church on Sunday or in your office on Monday. Simply serve others as a way to love God. What's your talents? What's your talents? Here's the third thought. We love God with, with our testimony. With our testimony. Someone once said, friends of God Tell their friends about God. Let me say that again. Friends of God tell friends about God. And one of the ways that we love God is by sharing with others our story of how God has loved us, how God has changed us from the inside out. Grandparents. You don't tell other people about your grandchildren because you have to. You do it because you love your grandkids so much and you want to tell others about your grandkids because you want to. You see, when you begin to love God the way God wants you to love him, and you begin to really appreciate his love for you, which was awesome, which was so great that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the, on the old rugged cross for your sins and my sins, and then you will be moved to a point where in your own way, with your own giftedness and your own personality, you will want to share your story with others. Now, coming up on here at church, we're doing, we're doing something called Friend Day. It's actually a Saturday and a Sunday, so whatever service you go to, that's your Friend Day, where you invite a friend on October 21st, October 22nd, one of our services. We're going to have three services that weekend. And what a powerful way for you to bring someone to church to hear an amazing testimony of Tim Lee. 
We've had Tim Lee here before. And every time he comes, we have one of the best services that we've had. More people come to know Christ during those services than any other service, services that we do. Tim Lee, 50 years ago, was walking point in the jungle of Vietnam, leading his group of men, the Marines, through the jungle when he stepped on a 60-pound landmine and lost both of his legs. It should have been a day that he died, but he survived. And that day, he talk about it, is the day that he stopped running from God. It's the day that he stopped running. It became a turning point in his life. And ever since that day, he's been using his disability for the glory of God. This is the day that you want to invite your friends. Friends of God want to tell their friends about God, and this is a great opportunity on this friend day weekend. And so in your chair, we've got the, a baggie. That baggie is for you to take. Take a couple bags if you need to. And if that's not enough, we can give you more. And there's multiple ways to do this. Multiple ways. You can, if you need more of a stack to, so that you can put in your office for, you know, maybe you work at a, at a doctor's office and you can put a stack out and you're, you can do that. Or you can put a stack in your break room at work. You certainly get more. And, and, and there's power to that just to have a stack right there. But more power than that is for you to take a card and to personally invite someone and to invite them to come sit with you. Come sit with me. Hey, I, I, we've got this special day, fun day at our church, and you're my friend. And I, I, would, I would be honored. I would be honored if you come sit with me. What, what, you know, what, what, what service are you going to go to? Listen, be flexible. Be, this is a mission opportunity. And if you can, be flexible. And if your friend says, well, I can come. I can only come Saturday night. And say, there you go. I'll come sit with you. I'll be there Saturday night if, if that works out for you too. I mean, I know it may not be perfect for all of us, but do it as much as you can to have that person sit with you. Listen, my friend, this could be a day that could change your friend's life for eternity. And you can have a part of that. You can have a part of that. And so be a friend and invite a friend to church. Here's the fourth way, fourth way we can love God. We love God with, with our treasure. With our treasure. One of the greatest ways that you show God that you love him is by giving to him. God modeled his generosity toward us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to us. And so we need to give back to him. Of course, we can never repay all that he's done for us. Absolutely we can't. We'll always fall short. But we should have a heart that, that we love God, that we want to give back to him. You know, it's been said many times that you can give without loving. But you can't love without giving. And one of the ways that you know your love for God is really getting to where it needs to be is when you start giving to God financially. 
Not because you feel like you have to, not because you gotta do it for a tax break, but because you, because you want to. Because you want to. I'm gonna challenge you to love God. Be faithful in the way that you give here so that we can carry out the mission of what God had for us here at Lake Point. Now there's still one more dimension to this commandment that we haven't even touched yet. And that is, if you take a note, that's the horizontal dimension. That the vertical dimension, to love God, the horizontal dimension is to love your neighbor. Jesus said this, in that same answer to that Pharisee, that religious lawyer, he said the second greater commandment is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, you could take your 613 rules, they're going to hang on these two commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Now, in and in of itself, there's nothing unique about these two commandments. They know about these two commandments. This wasn't something new that Jesus was given. However, it was unique that for the very first time that these two commandments were joined together. They've always been separate issues, but Jesus combines it. He joins them together and, and, and this is what Jesus is saying by doing this. If you have the vertical love for God that you ought to have, then you cannot help but have the horizontal love for others that you ought to have. In other words, you cannot be right with your vertical relationship with God if you're not right with your horizontal relationship with one another. And one of the greatest ways that the church brings people together so that they can love each other through groups that meet together, and we call them life groups. And that's why we do that here. And, and David Goff is the discipleship pastor. He leads our life group. I'm gonna ask him to come real quick and just give us a couple thoughts here, and got a couple more blanks that he can finish up, and then, and then I'll wrap things up. All right, thanks Pastor Scott. Hey, um, all of us lived through, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic, and I think one of the things we all learned is, even if you're the most introverted, quiet person, that our lives are incomplete without other people. And um, spiritually, that's even more so the case. Throughout the Bible, we read that um, to be the Christian that Christ wants us to be, other people need to be a part of our life. We need to interact with other people. Um, I love it how Jesus in John 13 said this, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just like I love you, you must love one another. And that's just one of the verses that point us to the importance of community. Um, the Bible actually has over 50 uh, what we call one another commands uh, that we read about, about how important it is to live life together. And he, of course, it's so important to be here at church uh, for our worship time together. And, but we can't live out all of those one another commands on Sundays. We have to be with uh, Christians throughout the week. And so that's what life groups at Lake Point are all about. They're about applying what we're learning with other people. And the mission statement of our life groups, which is actually the point in your notes, uh, reads like this. Life groups provide a context in which to apply God's word so that care, growth, 
care and relationships can occur. So that's, that's what our life groups are all about. Uh, so you might be saying, well, I don't understand what these life groups really are. Well, let me, for those that might not be familiar, our life groups meet three semesters a year. We have fall, winter, and in the spring. And for each of these semesters, we have brand new groups formed that put together. So that means that all of you are welcome to join in with one of these groups. And I would definitely encourage you to do that. You can be a member, you could be an attender, and even a great thing to do is to invite a friend or invite a neighbor to come to a group with you. And what's really cool is my first time I entered Lake Point's building was a friend from the church invited me to be part of a group. That was my first time in the door. So I guess I've been bought in from day one uh, and just can attest to how important it is to be with one another. Our groups, our life groups meet in homes, some in the church building, and we even have one that meets in a restaurant. So uh, it's all around the community. And um, so we would just encourage each of you to take a look at the program. Our fall groups are, most of them begin the week of October 1st. And there's people in those groups that need you to be a part of that group. You can be a blessing to someone here in the church in that way. So I encourage you to take a look at the program and sign up. I think it would be a blessing to everyone. Thank you. Pastor Dave, after the service, will be in the lobby. If you've got any questions, make sure you go by and see him. It's a vertical relationship. Love God with all your hearts. That horizontal relationship to love your neighbor. You know, in Revelation chapter 2, as I close out, the Apostle John wrote this revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ in seven letters to seven churches. And this is the first letter to the church of Ephesus. And I want to see these words because it's important for us to understand this. And maybe this is where you're at. And I pray that it's not where our church is. He said to the church of Ephesus, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work, your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. In other words, he said, you guys are doing good stuff. You're getting things done. You get up, you go to church. However, he said, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You have lost your first love. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the work you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and I will remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. In other words, God... God won't stick around in a church that just plays church. I pray that we don't lose our first love. And if you lost your first love, it's not too late. We can come back. We can get back to the place where it all began, where you fall in love with Jesus. 
If I could summarize what it means to love God, here's the three things. To love God means to love what God loves, which is people. To hate what God hates, which is sin. But to do what God does, which is give. Give your time, your talents, give your testimony, give your treasure to God. The greatest gift that Lake Point Church can do for you as a person is to help you fall in love with Jesus Christ. In fact, the greatest success, and you can measure success in many different ways for every church, but here's the greatest success. The greatest success a church can ever have is to lead people to love God the way he ought to be loved. But the greatest failure is to fail to love God as he deserves to be loved. There's not a problem any church has that cannot be solved when that church has a burning, blazing, passionate love for God that is both shown and seen by others who come in contact with it. Whatever our late point becomes known as, I can assure you, I will be ecstatic. I'll be excited to see this. I will sleep at night, sleep like a baby, if I know that we are known as a church that loves God, that loves Him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Church after God's heart. It's a church that loves Him and loves each other. Our Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us today. We want to pursue you. We want to finish well. Oh God, we don't want to be a church that's just going through the motion and playing games. God, I pray that we don't ever be a church that's just average. That's just going, that's just checking off the box in our lives. Hey, we went to church. God, I pray we don't become that. I pray that this week we will assess in our own personal life our love for you. God, maybe there's an area in our life that we need to get back to a place that we need to return to, whether it's in our time, our talents, whether it's sharing our testimony, or our treasure. God, I pray that we would do that. God, I pray that we would look at our horizontal relationship because it matters. And we'll do this because we are in pursuit of what you want. Oh God, I pray that we become a church after your heart. A church that loves. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.